Good morning, everybody, and welcome to worship at Hillhead. It is my great pleasure to welcome the Rev. Kaz McCrone, who will be leading our service this morning. We're really looking to hear what she has to share with us. As well as Kaz, today we will hear Dr. Beth reading scripture, and Jeff will be leading the Lord's Prayer in Welsh. Shortly, Wendy will light our candle for us. And our musicians today are Paul and Yang Yang. This evening on Zoom only, Robin Green from Wellington Church will lead our reflections for creation time. A few little bits of family news. Those on the email circulation list will have received news during the week that Tamara's baby, Ben, was admitted to hospital again this week. The latest news is that he is making progress but will need to stay in hospital for a while yet, probably around about another week. We were also very sorry this week to learn of the death of Roger's father, who was in Australia. Roger was over in Australia visiting his father at the time of his death. So our thoughts are with Janet and also with Dr. Beth and Mary at this time. I'm giving you formal notice of a church meeting to be held on Sunday, the 2nd of October. That is next Sunday, and that will be immediately after morning worship. During that meeting, we will discuss important matters relating to our life together. So please look out for an email from me later on today, which will include some important papers for you to study ahead of that meeting. Next Sunday, it is definitely back to old clothes and porridge, and I still can't say it properly after all these years, but I will be leading both the morning service at 11 o'clock and the evening reflection at 7 o'clock. But now it is time for Wendy to light our candle. As we gather for worship, let us join together to become the body of Christ. Christ is the light that lights our way. May we glimpse Christ's light this day.
Let's pray together. Almighty God, to whom all hearts are open, all desires known, and from whom no secrets are hidden, cleanse the thoughts of our hearts this day by the inspiration of your Holy Spirit, that we may perfectly love you and worthily magnify your holy name through Christ our Lord. Amen. Ein tad ar hwnnwyt yn y nefoedd, sanctidio'r dy enw. Dilyd y deyrnas, gwneud y wyllys, megis yn y nef, felly ar y ddeyar hefyd. Dyrwy ni heddiw ein barra bynyddiol, a maddau i ni ein dyledion, fel y myddiwn innau un dyledwyr. Ac nac arwain ni i brofedigaeth, eithi'r gwared ni rhag ddrwg, can i seiddo tiwr deyrnas, ar nerth, ar gogoniant, yn oes oes oedd. Amen. Today's reading is taken from Matthew chapter 5, verses 11 to 16. Blessed are you when people revile you and persecute you and utter all kinds of evil against you falsely on my account. Rejoice and be glad, for your reward is great in heaven. In the same way, they persecuted the prophets who were before you. You are the salt of the earth, but if salt has lost its taste, how can its saltiness be restored? 
it is no longer good for anything, but is thrown out and trampled underfoot. You are the light of the world. A city built on a hill cannot be hidden. No one, after lighting a lamp, puts it under a bushel basket, but on a lampstand, and it gives light to all in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others, so they may see your good works and give glory to your Father in heaven. for inviting me along to spend some time with you today. It's such a privilege. Um, a few months ago, I was reading a book and there was a quote that really struck me in this book. It said the following, God is not interested in having us reduce our faith to a personal decision that merely punches a ticket to heaven. Let me say that again. God is not interested in having us reduce our faith to a personal decision that merely punches a ticket to heaven. Today we are looking at these verses from Matthew chapter 5, verses that are probably actually well known to many of us. Um, many of us will have read the Sermon on the Mount, will have heard it spoken about a number of times. And the verses that we read today follow on from what is called the Beatitudes. Statements like, blessed are the poor in spirit, blessed are those who mourn. And verse 11 often is then kind of caught in with the Beatitudes as well. In fact, if you've got a Bible that's got headings in it, verses 3 to 12 are probably headed the Beatitudes and verses 13 to 16, salt and light. But actually, this is all the Sermon on the Mount. It all goes together. And so if we're to understand being salt and light, it helps us to just catch the context in which Jesus was saying that into. So verse 11, blessed are you when people insult you, persecute you and falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me. In the Beatitudes right before this, Jesus has been identifying different groups of people. He identifies the merciful, the peacemakers, those who mourn. But suddenly we get a slight shift here. This is not just a small group of people. He turns from saying, blessed is this group and blessed is this group, to blessed are you. We're all included in this one. And so we all need to listen up to this one. This is something that applies to everybody who chooses to follow him. Everybody who says, I'm in. And Jesus doesn't sugarcoat what following him looks like. He says that there will be insult. There will be accusation, false accusation. There will be persecution. And rather than our response being one of woe is me, isn't that going to be a hard life? 
Jesus says your response to that should be the same as the response that Mary and Elizabeth have when they gather together just after Mary finds out she's pregnant with Jesus. It is one of joy, so much joy that it overflows. And that seems like a really strange thing to say to people who have just been told you're going to get persecuted. Be full of joy. Your response should be one of joy. It seems counterintuitive. And it seems like a really strange way to start a sermon, particularly one that should be uplifting and encouraging. But Jesus isn't saying rejoice because you are persecuted. Jesus says that persecution and insult are not our final state. And so we get to rejoice. There's something more to come. But even more than that, he says, rejoice because this is happening because people see me in you. Celebrate that people see me in you. People will persecute you, not because of you, but because they see Jesus in you. But how do people see Jesus in us? Jesus says, you are the salt of the earth. You are the light of the world. Salt and light. It seems strange things to be compared to. So why does Jesus pick salt and light? What is it about them that makes them special? The thing with salt and light is they're distinctive. You put salt in food, you taste it. It makes a difference. There is either light or dark. Darkness is an absence of light. So there's not an in-between. They are completely different to that which surrounds them. In other words, people see Christ in us when we are distinctive or different to that which surrounds us. As Paul puts it to his letter in the, the church in Rome, it's when you stop conforming to the world around you. Do not conform to the world around you. So if we simply are people that sprinkle a little bit of salt on the outside, if we just do a bit of Jesus stuff, turn up to church on a Sunday, maybe give a wee half an hour once or twice a week to reading our Bibles, is that enough? Does that actually make us distinctive? Over the past couple of weeks, I've heard a lot of official statements, I've read tributes, and I've seen a lot of news reports about the death of Queen Elizabeth. And we live in a world of superficiality, a world that for a long time has said, whatever goes on behind closed doors, whatever's going on in the inside, doesn't really matter. But yet when it's come to remembering this particular leader, what people seem to have realised matters is the deeper stuff. The things people have reflected on have been her integrity, her kindness and her faith. In fact, at her funeral on Monday, Justin Welbury, the Archbishop of Canterbury, said that in 1953, the Queen began her coronation with silent prayer. Her allegiance to God was given before any person gave allegiance to her. Her service to so many people in this nation, the Commonwealth and the world had its foundation in her following Christ. People of loving service are rare in any walk of life and leaders of loving service are still rarer. 
most people you come across share what I like to term as the social media feed of their lives, the good stuff, the things that they're happy for people to know about, their achievements, their wins, their successes in life, the stuff that's shiny on the outside, the stuff that we're happy to be judged on, that's the things we share with others. But what about the rest? In his book, The Emotionally Healthy Church, Peter, uh, pastor and writer Pete Scazzaro says that our lives are like an iceberg, that we have a small part of our lives that we share with others around us, that we're happy for people to see. But the issue is, like an iceberg, up to 80 or 90% of our lives are hidden, hidden away. An iceberg can have 80 to 90% of its mass hidden under the water. Now that bit, hidden under the water, is dangerous. <laughs> dangerous for people who are trying to pass by and Pete goes on to talk about that in our lives but that's not what I want to focus on right now what I want to focus on is that the problem is that we don't just hide that percentage from the rest of the world but we try to keep it from God we're willing to give God maybe a little bit at the top a little bit on the edge we say to God here you go you can have my Sunday morning you can have those couple of half hours in a week but could you just keep your hands off my work life could you just keep your hands off that relationship? And actually, I quite like my Saturday afternoons, so if you cannot mess with that, that would be really good. But that doesn't work with God. You see, if we're going to be salt in this world, it has to be worked in deep. It can't just be a surface thing. Salt was used mixed into ointment by the ancient Egyptians and other ancient cultures to help with the mummification process. In other words, they mix salt into an ointment, they put it on the skin to draw the water out, to dehydrate the body. Now, if we're just a little bit salty on the outside, it becomes all about the things we do and not a deep relationship with God. We end up dehydrated. We end up burnt out. We end up not fully alive. But when the salt is worked deep into us, we become flavoursome we can have an impact on the world around us. But that means we have to be willing to give every part of our lives to God. Everything that we have, everything that we are, and hold nothing back from him. Maybe you're here today and you think, but do you know what, I'm not really, I don't know if I'm really up for that. I'm scared about what that means. I like a bit of control in my life. I like to hold on to some things. I don't really have the time for that. Let me put it like this to you. Christ gave his all for you. He poured out everything just for you. He held nothing back. Being a Christian is not just about turning up to church on a Sunday, although it is really good to gather together. It's also not just about learning a Bible verse or two, although it's great to learn our scriptures. It's also not just being about a, being a nice person. The term Christian literally means little Christ. It was a derogatory term given to the early Christians because they were so like Jesus and so unlike anything else in the world that people didn't know what else to call them. They saw Christ in them. But we only become like that when we choose to spend time with the one who we're wanting to become like. We can't become like Christ if we don't know him, if we don't spend time with him. 
We need, just as we might want to get to know a friend, we spend time with them. We need to do the same with Jesus. We need to read the word. We need to talk with him. We need to listen to him, practice his presence. We have to slow down and not be driven by the things of this world, not driven by the trying to strive for achievements that we're told we need to be doing all the time. We always make time for the things we prioritise in life. We always make time for the things we prioritise in life. I could spend weeks talking about practices that we can build into our lives to help us in our walk with Jesus, to get to know him better. Instead of doing that, I'm going to recommend a few books. If people like reading books, highly recommend these ones. There's lots of others as well, but these are just some that I found super helpful. So the first quote I read comes from The Deeply Formed Life by Rich Villados. Excellent book, which follows on from the Emotionally Healthy Church that Pete Scazzaro, the one I mentioned from Pete Scazzaro. John Mark Comer's The Ruthless Elimination of Hurry. Um, Ruth Haley Barton's Strengthening the Soul of Your Leadership. Be Still by Brian Heasley is a really simple guide to quiet time. How do we learn to spend time with God? Um, and then Pete Gregg's book, How to Hear God, as well. All fantastic. I'm sure there's plenty of other books out there as well that people could recommend to you. But these are my five top tips this week. But why do we do it? What does it mean to have the salt worked deep into our lives? Do you know, when we spend time with God, when we spend time with the Father, it's in this place that we learn and are reminded of our true identity. It's in this place that our identity as heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ is imprinted in our very beings. The Queen said in 2013 that as Christians, reflection, meditation and prayer help us to renew ourselves in God's love. And it's in relationship with the Father that we receive our identity. I have got an amazing thing to tell you this morning. Your identity is not put together from the fragments of your life. Your identity is not put together from the wins and losses, successes and failures of your life. Your identity is given to you by the one who created you. But if we don't spend time with him, if we don't slow down enough to learn to hear what his voice sounds like, then we miss hearing our true identity spoken over us. And instead, we become driven by the things of this world. If we are to be salty in the world, it can't just be about outward actions. But we need a change in the very depths of our beings. The salt needs to be worked right the way through us. So we slow down, we spend time with God and we allow him to work the salt through us, to speak our true identity to the very depths of our beings. But what then? Jesus said in verses 14 to 15, you are the light of the world. A town built on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on its stand and it gives light to everyone in the house. There is little point being distinctive from the world if we are never in that from which we are distinctive. There is little point being distinctive from the world if we are never in that from which we are distinctive. 
Let me read a poem to you by poet Gideon Hugh called I Stand at the Door and Knock. I stand outside the barred church doors, hammering with my fists, whilst all around me the world dies. I don't want to be let in, but pray for those inside to come out and join the fight. We live in a truly tribal society. Increases in technology, particularly social media, have made it really easy for us to find people just like us. Not just people in our community, but people across the world who are like us. People who have the same thoughts and ideas, the same beliefs as us. And it can be really fun and it can be really helpful to connect with people who have had similar experiences in life. Um, I've got lots of friends who have got young kids and they're part of different mums groups that are based around different professions and they share what it's like to be a mum in that profession and balancing having the kids and um, giving their everything that they can into their profession as well. But the issue for us comes when we move to the extreme, when the only people we connect with are the people that believe the same things as us, the people who look the same as us, who have the same skin colour, the same nationality, the same age, the same political preference, the same background, family or life situations. In other words, when we start to only connect with people who affirm all of our thoughts and beliefs and never challenge us. When our lives become about people that we are indistinguishable from. And let's be honest, we do that because it makes us feel safe. We feel safer when we're around people like us. But Jesus said, go. He said, go and make disciples of all nations. And so if we choose to stay hidden away in our church cliques, then our light's only shining within church walls or within the walls here in this hotel room. The light's hidden from the city, a city that is crying out in the darkness for some light. Yet that light is hidden behind walls. If we stand on the edge of our society, then light doesn't get deep into it. We have to be out there. Jesus tells us that when we take our whole selves with the soul all worked in out into the city and we connect with that city, then people get to see him in us. Theologian Stanley Hauravast, when he was writing about these verses, said, this does not mean that those who follow Jesus do so so that they can be seen. Nor are disciples called to be different in order to be different. Jesus clearly thinks that disciples will be different. But that difference is because of what he is, the son of God. In other words, this isn't a call to be different for the sake of being different. But if we are little Christs, then we will be different. The world will encounter the one who imprints our true identity on our very being. They'll encounter the one who is love. And then they too have the opportunity to become salt and light in the world. From what I've seen and heard, particularly over the past couple of weeks, Queen Elizabeth was a woman that got this. She pledged her allegiance to Christ and she lived a life of faith. She spent time in prayer and in the scriptures, and her leadership was driven by integrity 
and kindness when virtually every other leader around her was driven by power and control. Over half the world's population is thought to have watched her funeral on Monday. The world has looked up. The world took notice and asked the question, what made her different? Why was she such a different kind of leader? The last couple of weeks have also given people a great opportunity to speak about the faith that she had. Faith in Christ. Justin Welby said this, her late majesty's example was not set through her position or her ambition, but through whom she followed. The question is, do people see something different in us or are we just like everybody else around us? Either because we've not allowed God to speak our true identity in us, to work the salt deep into us, or because we only spend time with people who are like us. God has called us to a deeply formed life, one lived in and through our identity as his. And he calls us to be salt and light, to be different to that which surrounds us, yet present among it, so that the world might see and know his glory. He calls us to a life lived by faith in him. Let's pray. Lord God, we thank you that you are the one who speaks our true identity right into the depths of our beings. God, we ask for each one of us today that you would do that right now, wherever we are at, whatever has been going on in our lives this week. God, would you come and speak over us that we are your children, that we are loved by you. Remind us once again, God, that our identity is not based on what we have done or what we do. But it's based on whose we are. And Lord, we ask that this week as well, you would help us to step out into places where we can be distinctive. Places where we can share who you are. That we would encounter people who are desperate to know more about you, Lord that we can be light in the darkness. Amen.
thank you so much, Kaz, for bringing to us a very thoughtful and helpful reflection this morning. And now let's come to God in prayer. Let's pray. Faithful God, dependable, patient, gentle and kind, and yet sometimes seeming so different, distant, and often so incredibly silent, bringing you our prayers for others and for each other is at the same time a great gift and a heavy responsibility. As we watch, hear or read the news, we can find ourselves driven to anger and despair. Sometimes we may even wonder if there is any point praying when it seems to make so little difference. How can we be salt and light in this world? And then we remember the times when we did pray. The moments when we experienced peace instead of fear. Calm in the middle of turmoil. When seemingly impossible situations resolved. Answers were found. And ways forward emerged. And so with dogged determination. With tenacious faith as well as honest doubt we bring you our prayers. God of all places, we pray for the complicated, interconnected and broken world of which we are part. As Walk to COP27 sees hundreds of people joining together to share in a virtual pilgrimage from Glasgow to Sharm el-Sheikh, we are reminded how climate chaos cannot be separated from politics and power, directly impacting the health and well-being of all people, and especially those who are the most vulnerable. From people in Pakistan whose homes and livelihoods have been lost to flooding, to people here in our own city who are cold and hungry because they cannot afford to buy food or to heat their homes. It all seems too impossibly big and we feel powerless. So show us the small things we, as people of faith, can do to make a difference locally or globally. One step, one prayer, one action at a time. We pray for the work of BMS in Nepal, where Christians with skills in engineering, healthcare and counselling work together with the International Nepal Fellowship to bring hope to people whose lives are affected by leprosy, poverty and the stigma that each of these brings by building and operating a dedicated centre for their care and rehabilitation. Here in Scotland, we pray for the Baptist churches in Montrose, Motherwell and for Milestone Christian Fellowship as they seek to be salt and light in the communities where they are located 
and to worship in faith. As a new university year gets underway, and especially as first-year students from across Scotland, the UK and the wider world begin to settle into their studies, we pray for the work of university chaplains and for student groups such as Christian Unions and SCM, seeking to help young adults, most of whom are living away from the only home they've ever known and are beginning to adjust to independent living. We pray for the children and young people who are part of our own church community, many able to enjoy a long weekend break after several weeks of school. Help us to cherish them and to play our part in nurturing them so that they may flourish as the people you've made them to be. At this time, we pray especially for Marit and Tom following the birth of Arthur and for Tamara and Hannah caring for Aaron and new baby Ben. We pray for all who are unwell in body, mind or spirit, for those awaiting medical tests or results, those who are concerned about loved ones or who are fearful of the future. We pray for all who grieve lost loved ones and especially today, Roger and Janet, Dr Beth and Mary. From our prayer diary, we name before you these people who we may perhaps term as little Christs, as Christians. Jeff and Carol. Karis. Fiona and Donnie. Barbara and Ken. Edith F. Isan and Anis. Paul F. Lily. Grateful that you know the deepest needs and private thoughts of these our siblings in Christ. We entrust them to your care, knowing that you are with them, even when they and we are unaware of it. And lastly, we take a few moments of silence to bring to you our personal needs and concerns. Faithful God, dependable, patient, gentle and kind, accept our prayers in Jesus' name. Amen.
Thank you so much for joining with us today, whether here in this room or online. What a blessing it is to gather as the people of God. Let's pray together as we finish our time. Lord, you have called us and brought light into our lives. And now you ask us to be your light in the continuing darkness. At times we may be a small, fragile, flickering candle. At times a bright, strong beam of light. Help us this coming week to let your light shine through us in our words and actions, in our attitudes and relationships. So be blessed this week to be salt and light with your hands, with your feet, with your actions and with your speech. In Jesus' name, amen.